0: Okay, so we're gonna play a little game. It's called, when are you allowed to do that? Uh, so for example, when are you allowed to get your driver's license? 16, good. Okay, so um, to make it interesting, these are the laws for British Columbia. Okay, which is the, uh, the, the part of Canada directly north of Washington state. Okay, so in British Columbia, When are you legally allowed to adopt a cat? I have 12. Someone want to wager a different guess? 16, 13, 14, 21? Okay, so the answer is 19. You have to wait until you're 19 years old to adopt a cat. Okay, when are you legally allowed to donate your organs for medical purposes? You don't need your parents to sign off. Why raise my hand? Uh, I hear, okay, Eighteen, twenty-one, 21, Isabel. Um, like 16. 16. Probably like 17. No, I want to say like 28, 29, 30. Okay, so I heard, tw- okay, so 29, 28, 30, 30. 17. Uh, it's actually, it's a, it's actually 14. Yeah. Okay, okay, last question, last question. When are, in British Columbia, are you legally allowed to get your driver's license? 12, 3, 14, 16. So it's, it's actually 16. They got it right. Uh, now, now you, you, uh, you can, we can conclude several things about these rather interesting uh, restrictions or freedoms, but I, I think we can, we can all agree on this, uh, that the more freedoms you have, the better. Freedom is very important to us, right? Uh, we all are looking forward to the freedom that winter break brings. Uh, I'm guessing that all of you are counting down the days until you have the freedom of a cell phone, or your driver's license, or in a few years you're heading off to college and you'll be truly free from your parents. Freedom is a big deal to us. Freedom is actually a bigger deal to God. Uh, the Bible tells us that the reason that Jesus came and died for us is for freedom. Uh, Galatians 5.1 tells us that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom is a huge deal to God. And that sounds awesome until you read the rest of the New Testament. And then you find out that every page, basically every page, has some command or restriction for these people who are free. Uh, And so tonight we're going to to look at this freedom that's in Christ. Because this this free life that we're called to is what we're supposed to to live in after we believe. And our text actually presents two options for freedom. one is referred to as walking by the Spirit, the other, walking by the flesh. Uh, now, if you are here last week, you might remember that flesh is Paul's catch-all term for our life before Jesus. It, it, it's, it's his way of saying, doing whatever you want, living in rebellion against God and, and his decrees you may also remember that, that once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you've died to that, but it still tries to entice you to obey it and to walk in it. And the way that Paul says in our text it does that is by offering you freedom. Look at Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17 with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do." And so the way that the flesh offers you freedom is it says, hey, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. You aren't actually free unless you can experience all life has to offer. Anyone who puts restrictions on you is really just taking away your freedom. And such a mindset often plays out in the way that we live our lives, normally not in a good way. Um, he, He goes on in verses 19 through 21 to list the works of the flesh, which are quite evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you might read a list like that and say, well, Caleb, I don't do any of those things. Okay, maybe one or two, but, but most of them I do not do. And you may be right, but I want you to notice the, the underlying drive of all of them. It's freedom. Why, why would we commit uh, acts of sexual immorality? Freedom. It's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. Uh, wh- why do we have fits of anger? Once again, it's, it's freedom. Um, someone is restricting what I want to do and in an attempt to clear the path, I blow up at them in anger. It's freedom. Um, one thing that has been uh, divisive and caused dissension uh, in the nation, right, is, is the whole mask thing at the base. It's freedom. I don't want to wear this, so I'm not gonna. Uh, we are, are, are driven by this need for absolute negative freedom, which is just a really fancy way of saying um, I should be allowed to do whatever I want with no restrictions. And that sounds amazing, right? That sounds exactly what we would want, but it's actually a horribly destructive thing. Um, I'm going to assume that all of you, way down the road, would like to get married. Would like to fall in love and get married. Now, if you try to bring absolute negative freedom into marriage, it will destroy it. Right? Think, of, think about a wedding ceremony. What, what's happening there? The individuals are vowing, they are restricting themselves to one person. They're saying, I promise that you're the only one. That, that that there are no other romantic partners for me. I am restricting myself to you. And that's not bondage. That's, that's actually freedom. That's the only way that marriage will flourish uh, and be vibrant. And here, here's what I'm trying to say. Freedom is not having, is not removing all restrictions, being able to do whatever you want. Freedom is actually finding the correct set of restrictions that leads to to flourishing. Um, And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is this path to freedom? What set of restrictions will lead to to me having this flourishing life? And Paul says in verse 16 that it it comes about by walking by the Spirit. Um, He also refers to it as living by the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit. And and, and that's all saying the same thing. It's living, dependent upon, and obedient to the Holy Spirit. But that's kind of like a, a Christianese abstract statement, so let's, let's, let's break it down. What does that actually mean? What does it look like? And this, this, uh, this walking by the Spirit is actually a very helpful imagery. Um, walking by the Spirit is not like walking a dog. Uh, I don't know how your dogs are. The dog we had was very... Uh, rambunctious and rather disobedient, and so we would go for walks, but it wasn't really a walk. It was more like a reigning in, right? She'd be way over here, and then way over here, and I just constantly be trying to keep her reined in and kind of moving in the right direction. Walking by the Spirit does not mean that the Holy Spirit tries to rein you in all the time and drag you along. Um, it, it means that you're obedient to Him. Walking by the Spirit also doesn't mean that you walk like a two-year-old. Now, uh, I only have two kids, so my test pool is rather small, but they both do it, so I'm going to say it's universal. Um, We'll be walking along, I'll be holding one of their hands, and they'll just go boneless on me. They'll just like, blip, and so I'm just kind of left holding them by their hand. And and they're not trying to be antagonistic, they're not trying to, to fight against me. They just don't really feel like putting in the effort of walking. And so they expect daddy to carry slash drag them wherever we need to go. Walking by the spirit is not that. It's not going boneless on the spirit and saying, all right, drag me there, Holy Spirit. Uh, We have to put in the effort to walk with him where he's going. And and so walking by the spirit means that we are obedient and dependent on him. And we are, we are, are, are working toward the same goal which, by the way, uh, is to be truly human. Now, to be human uh, means that we are made in the image of God. We are to be reflections of him. And that's what the Holy Spirit is, is doing. Uh, if you look at verses 22 and 23, we're told the, that the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of his work in our life, is love, joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are, are, are reflections of God, and these are the markers of someone who is truly free and flourishing. This is the path that we want to be on, the set of restrictions that we want to adopt. The problem is that we can't. Uh, we, th- this, this drive for absolute freedom is, is so intense that, that we just can't really overcome it. Um, and this has been the problem ever since the creation of man. Like, think about Adam and Eve. right? God says, hey, you can do whatever you want, just don't eat from this one tree. And instantly they're like, hang on, am I missing out on something? Are you holding out on me? Could my life be better if I ate from that tree? Uh, and ever since, we just have this assumption that if I, can't, if I can't do everything I desire to do, I must be missing out on something. And it really boils down to uh, a lack of trust. But, but Scripture is insistent, no, no, no. Walk by the Spirit. This is the path of freedom. This is the way you want to go. And so we, we have to take some drastic measures as we want to do that. Uh, he, he tells us in verse 24 that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We can't just take our desires, our drive for absolute freedom, and like, try to contain it or, uh, or manage it. He says we have to crucify it, which is about as firm of a punctuation, a period, as you can, as you can give something. So in the first century when this was written, if there was a revolt or a rebellion going on. The, the leaders didn't like, try to capture some of the people and throw them in prison, or like, try to contain the riot. They just started crucifying people. And that public display shut everything down super fast. It just dealt with it completely. And so Paul is saying, hey, don't try to manage it. You take that, and you kill that, because it doesn't lead to flourishing. But once again, we can't do that. Try as we might, the drive of uh, of experiencing freedom, experiencing uh, life without restrictions, is is too too strong for us to just willingly overcome, which is why uh, Jesus steps into the scene. Uh, This word crucify should, if we read the whole book of Galatians, this word crucify here should trigger our memory a couple chapters back. He says in Galatians 2.20, uh, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Jesus, most free person ever, right? But Jesus comes and he restricts himself, he submits himself to the Father and it leads to all of our flourishing. And, and so he, here's, here's what Paul wants us to understand. How can you ever overcome the drive that I'm missing out on something? Jesus. See, the way that you know that someone has your best, your flourishing, your freedom in mind, is if they are willing to die for you. Certainly someone that is willing to die for you, out of love for you, has what's best for you in mind. And so if we, if we want to, to overcome this drive for absolute freedom, if we want to crucify the desires of the flesh, we have to grasp that we have been joined to Jesus and we have to see and experience his love and sacrifice for us. That is the, the driving force to, 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 to accept these restrictions. It, it's, it's like marriage, right? You, you, you understand who Jesus is to you and you say, okay, I can give up all these other strings because you are enough. You're more than enough. Here's what I'm trying to say in a nutshell. Everyone that accepts Jesus as their savior is like a train. Right? Now a train may, might say to itself, man, if I could just get off these tracks, I would be so much more free. But that's a lie, isn't it? If the train goes off the tracks, it is a train wreck. A train is most free when it stays on the tracks that are set set down before it. God has laid out tracks for us to follow in his word. And if we want to experience the freedom and flourishing that he offers, we've got to stay on those tracks. And the way that we do that is to, to grasp and to see his love and sacrifice for us and allow that to drive us along the tracks.